like to welcome you to Wednesday night Bible study. And uh, this is a new experience uh, for all of us. And uh, thankful for the people that managed to get together at the last minute for our uh, to sing here tonight and to kind of lead us in worship. And I just want to encourage you that if you're at home uh, to be more than just a, a spectator. You to get involved in worship. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to get your Bible and open your Bible up. And we're going to treat this as much as we possibly can like a, a normal Wednesday night service. And uh, I would like to uh, for us to pray. Uh, we have some needs that we need to pray for, but before we do that, uh, I would like to read just a portion of Scripture. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn. Uh, with me to Psalm 33, and I'm just going to read uh, some scriptures that I think would be fitting uh, for the time that we're in, and uh, the Bible says in Psalm 33 and verse 10, it says, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught, he maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever and the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. And from the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, and he considereth all their works. There is no, no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. But behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul watcheth for the Lord, for he, he is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. And that's a pretty uh, fitting passage of scripture for us to have here uh, to open up our service here tonight. And I would like to make mention of some prayer requests. And uh, for those of you that are members of our church and you're watching uh, in your homes or wherever you may be, uh, I want to uh, let you know about some of these prayer requests. We want to pray for Brother Paul Miller. Uh, they are, in fact, on their way uh, to UAB right now, or maybe already be there uh, for some tests that he's supposed to have in the morning. And uh, Sister Regina Miller is sick as well. And I would ask you for you to pray for our elders uh, in our church. There's a variety of those. Brother uh, Sanders is undergoing chemo, and so I'm just going to ask you to uh, keep him in your prayers that the Lord would strengthen and would help him. And uh, also, uh, I would ask you to pray for Sister Aaron's brother. Uh, he has uh, contracted the corona virus. He lives in Texas. He's an elderly man. Let's pray for him. Uh, Brother Jim Richardson uh, is in need of healing in his body as well. And uh, Sister Robbie Kovac has some upcoming procedures 
this coming uh, Friday that we need to pray uh, that the Lord would work and intervene in that. And uh, also, I would just ask that, that we just have special prayer for our president and uh, those team, the team that he's working with to try to uh, contain uh, this virus and, and our health care uh, workers uh, that are involved in that, that, that somehow... Uh, that all, out of all of this, that the Lord is going to be able to work in the ministry. And uh, we, we want to pray uh, not only for him, uh, President Trump and his team, uh, but we also want to pray for our nation and for our world and certainly for our local church. And uh, after we pray, we'll have some announcements uh, to that I will make you aware of some upcoming things. But let, let's just talk to the Lord uh, right now about these needs. Our gracious God, we come before you tonight. And we know, Lord, that we are in need of your hand. We have, Lord, needs in our local church. Lord, we made mention of those, the Miller family. Pray, Lord, for Brother Sanders. Pray for, Lord, Brother Jim Richardson. Various others. Lord, Sister Robbie. Lord, this need that she has Friday. I pray, God, that some way, Lord, that you reach into every one of our lives. If ever there's been a time that we need to be aware and, and conscious, Lord, of a nearness to you, it's now. I pray, Lord, for our nation. God, give President Trump, Lord, supernatural wisdom. Lord, in his team, Vice President Pence. Lord, the, the medical team that's working closely with him. I pray, God, that you give them the wisdom that they need. Somehow, Lord, to help us to navigate through so that, Lord, when all of this is said and done, that it will all be to the glory of God. I pray, Lord, against the fear and the worry and the anxious, Lord, thoughts that we have, that you help us, Lord, to corral our minds and that our spirits, Lord, that they would be brought, Lord, under your hand. You're our shepherd. You're our strong tower. You're our leader. You're our God. You're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I pray, Lord, tonight that out of all of this, Lord, that there would be the salvation of souls, that men and women, Lord, even boys and girls and children would be brought, Lord, to you into a greater understanding that salvation, Lord, would take place in their lives. I'm asking you, Lord, tonight that churches across our nation, that, Lord, are having to do exactly what we're doing here, Jesus, that you would minister, Lord, in the homes of every saint of God. Minister, Lord, in their lives. I pray, God, about our jobs and you're able to meet our needs, Lord. I pray, God, even about our health, Lord, that you keep your hand about us, that you protect us. Help us, Lord, to lean on you, Lord, in these troubling times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, out of habit, I almost said you may be seated, but there's only three of you in here, so... Um, but I do have some announcements that I would like to make uh, here tonight. Our church 
Uh, if you're wondering, we tried to contact uh, as many as we possibly could through social media, uh, through text messaging, phone calls, but I'm sure there's some that have kind of slipped through uh, that. But, but here uh, is our plan for the next several days. We are going to adhere uh, as much as possible. In fact, we are going to adhere uh, to what President Trump and uh, his team have recommended for us to do as a, as a nation. And uh, I am, uh, for the, so for the next 15 days or so, uh, we will be adhering to that. Uh, also on our Facebook page, Brother David Bernard, uh, our general superintendent, has made a statement, a video statement that he has made. And then also our district superintendent, Brother Stan Davidson, uh, he also made a statement as well. And so you can go there and see those uh, videos that those brethren have made. And uh, we are going to do everything we can uh, to adhere to that. Number one, for the protection of our elders, uh, that we want them to uh, certainly be aware that the Lord uh, is with us and protects us. But at the same time, uh, we have to use some common sense uh, about what's taking place. And so we are going to do that and also for protection of our church uh, members and, and even for the protection of our community. And I'm certain that you're aware uh, that there is uh, a, we, we do have a social presence in our communities, and it's important that we do maintain uh, a semblance of order in that, and so we are going to follow through with that. And so here is what's going to take place for the next 15 days. All church services and events are going to be counseled. And, uh, and we are going to live stream our services, and uh, we do have our sound uh, men that are going to be working with us in that, and uh, we will be leaning on some of you to come in uh, and be involved in our music with us. We will rotate through uh, our singing, praise, and worship team uh, as we do that over the next couple of weeks. And so we ask that whenever you're contacted for that, uh, for you to help us as much as you possibly can so that we can include uh, our music team in that. Uh, and then we've also created some teams uh, to assist our elders. And uh, if you have needs, uh, you can either call uh, me or call my wife. Uh, and get in touch with us about that, and uh, further details will be given uh, for that. There is a box of supplies that's already in the main church lobby for those that need paper products, uh, other cleaning materials, whatever uh, you need, food, transportation, child care, uh, tutoring, shopping, doctor's appointments, those sorts of things. Uh, we have people that are going to be available to help you uh, to take care of those things. Uh, some of you have called and some of you have texted. And I, I was very, um, and, and when, when the text started coming, I was very humbled uh, by that. But I have had some requests uh, as to what's going to take place with tithes and offerings. And some have already got in contact and have taken care of that. Uh, but there will be somebody here at the church available most days. And what we're going to do Sunday is there will be a box uh, out in the Welcome Center uh, so that you can stop by the church and drop those off. Uh, and somebody will be here to take care uh, of that. And so the doors will be open on Sunday, but we will not be having church 
And so if you are you do want to do that, then we can uh, accommodate that for you. Now, I just want you to know that uh, some of the other texts that I receive from, from people, it's, it's in these moments that you realize how much you love the church. And uh, there was quite a number of, of people that regret not being able to be here physically. And uh, it's in times like these that we now understand uh, how important that church is. Uh, not, not just a, a social event, but it's a spiritual event. And to be able to come together and to sing and to pray and to worship the Lord and even hear uh, the Word preached and taught and those various things, singing, uh, all of those things make a great contribution to our spiritual life. And uh, so we're going to do our best uh, to um, accommodate you in that. And I would ask you that if you're watching at home, most of the time there's a tendency whenever you're watching a screen to just be a spectator. And so I just want to encourage you uh, not to be a spectator, um, and uh, but, to, but to get your Bibles and to go through uh, your Bible as we go through that. And uh, we're going to do our best to help you as much as you can because it is important uh, during these times that we do have a relationship with the Lord and to be able to uh, to connect with Him through His Word in times of private prayer uh, is now going to be even more important because we're not going to be able to have the corporate uh, worship services like we normally uh, have depended on. And, I, and yet I can tell you this, there are a lot of countries around, uh, or some countries around the world, that they are a persecuted church and they never experience church like we do. So now we are going to have to modify and uh, maybe perhaps experience church as they uh, would experience that in their, in their countries. And so uh, with that in mind, I, uh, I know that we could spend time talking about the coronavirus and, and various other things, and, and yet we do need to trust in the Lord. Uh, but I thought that, you know, just to kind of get our minds off of uh, what's taking place, I'm just going to pick up uh, with just a normal Wednesday night Bible study. And uh, we're going to go back, pick up where we left off last Wednesday night. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Acts chapter 19. And uh, we will start uh, in verse 21, read a fairly long segment of Scripture here as we kind of work through Paul. Uh, he is on his way leaving from Ephesus. And so we will work through some of that here uh, tonight. Uh, I did email the notes out to you. If you have not received those, if you'll send me an email, uh, I will try to get those notes to you uh, after service here tonight. And for those of you that maybe just drive by uh, watchers or you just happen to find us, I'd be happy to send you uh, the notes to that. And my email address is philipharrelson uh, at gmail.com. That's one L in Philip and one L in Harrelson. And I'd be happy to share these notes with you. But let's look to Acts chapter 19, and let's look in verse 21. The Bible says, After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And so he sent into Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. In the same time there arose no small stir about that way. 
or a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but Almost throughout all Asia, this Paul had persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. So that not only this, our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and, care, and crying out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion, and having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed in with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, the disciples, the disciples suffered or allowed him not. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. And they, were, and they drew Alexander out of the multitude, and Jews putting him forward. And Alexander beckoned with the hand, and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice, about the space of two hours, cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians! And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how the city of Ephesus of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter. Seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. For ye have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches nor yet blasphemers of your goddess." Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him have a matter against any man, the law is open, and there are deputies. Let them implead one another. But if ye inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. For we are in danger to be called in question for this day's uproar, there being no cause whereby we may give an account of this concourse. And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. And so we're going to pick up and we're talking about God's powerful work uh, in Ephesus. And um, you, you've heard this statement before. Uh, I'm sure that there is that thought that uh, you've heard people say before that wherever Paul went, uh, it was either a, a riot or a revival. And uh, that, that is a fact, that there were times where that Paul uh, would go into places and, and one of two things would happen. There would either be a revival and people would come to the Lord or there would be a time where uh, that he would go in and great revival. 
uh, would take place. And, and I do believe that there's still... Uh, that part that that takes place even in our day that uh, that the Lord whenever he begins to work that there's times where uh, that there is something that leaps out in men's spirits that that will oppose uh, what is being uh, translated or what is being spoken from the gospel and then there's other occasions where that the gospel is preached and that there are people that respond in kind and the Lord fills them with the spirit and converts and changes uh, their their lives and so whenever you start looking at Ephesus you read in early on in Ephesus in, in Acts 19 that the Bible uh, says that that whenever uh, Paul got there, that Paul, Paul rebaptized John's uh, disciples, and then they received the Holy Ghost, and then shortly thereafter that uh, there was a a group of men, uh, the sons of Siva, and uh, there was quite a power encounter that took place there, and Paul uh, ended up, or, or those men ended up being exposed as as imposters. And, uh, and so there's things that took place there in Ephesus that led to that revival. And now you look at the part where that we read about here tonight uh, that because of that revival that took place, because the word of the Lord uh, was preached there, because there were special miracles by God uh, that had taken place and even false prophets were exposed, uh, that, that it put a uh, crimp, so, so to speak, on the... Uh, leaders or the, the the work the craftsmen the workers there that were making great money on idolatry and whenever it began uh, to cut into their economy I mean you can think about that even now for what uh, we're facing that there are are people that are are concerned about what's taking place with their uh, jobs and and these men had that same part about them and it caused them to react in a wrong way and uh, they came against the apostles and the disciples of that church there in uh, in Ephesus. One of the most powerful churches uh, that you read about. In fact, when you read in Revelation 2 and 3, uh, you can read about how that Ephesus and all the seven churches there uh, of Asia, Ephesus, uh, there was uh, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, um, Philadelphia, Laodicea, uh, Sardis, and all of those churches that were there, those were churches that many scholars feel like was established out of the church there at Ephesus. And so you can imagine that whenever you had a church that was making that kind of impact uh, on the lives of people, that there was not going to be a part where that the enemy was just going to roll over and just let that take place. I believe that ought to be an encouragement to all of us uh, that whenever there's times where that obstacles come in and, and begin to oppose our church, our, our local church, uh, that there ought to be that part in us where we feel a, an encouragement. Do we like uh, the enemy opposing us? Absolutely not. But we do realize that churches that are productive and that are moving forward, uh, that there will be an attack of the enemy uh, that comes against that. And so it is that, that there was a somewhat of a revolution and the mob began to shout about how uh, that great is Diana. And, uh, and they begin to come against. And yet I would say here uh, tonight that, that there is not a call for the Christian church 
uh, to come to a revolution. Uh, any revolution that would take place is going to be spiritual in nature. Uh, a church does not preach physical violence, but spiritual violence. It doesn't tell men to take up physical weapons, but rather we take up spiritual weapons. Paul made reference to that in 2 Corinthians 10, and then also in Ephesians 6, the weapons of our warfare. Uh, they are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. And there's things that, that all of us as spirit-filled believers uh, that we have that at, at, at our hands that we can uh, use uh, and be able to somehow uh, to affect that. And so we, we have to just know this, that there are qualities of righteousness uh, that all of us need in our lives, such as love and, and justice and goodness and even self-control, because when those things begin to work and begin to operate in our lives, uh, here is what takes place. The Lord begins to build his church, and the way he does that is he builds our lives. And the benefits that you start understanding that when a revival or when conversion takes place, that the Lord can put crumbling families back together. He can save lives. He can speak peace into our hearts and into our spirits uh, in that way because righteousness uniquely has has a great impact on our lives. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs 11 and 11, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation. Proverbs 16 and 12, the throne is established by righteousness. Proverbs 25 and 5, the throne will be established in righteousness. And then in Isaiah 54 and 14, in righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. And I, I just just tell you here tonight that uh, not only our local church are we in need of revival and spiritual awakening, but our entire nation uh, is in need of a spiritual revival and a spiritual awakening. And, and the fact of the matter is this, is that the church very much has an impact about what takes place in that because we can affect things uh, with our prayers, especially corporate prayer uh, that is focused whenever churches come together. And I uh, speak now to our uh, to our local church that, that I have a feeling that when our next monthly prayer revival, whenever uh, we may be able to do that again, uh, that, that all of us are going to be able to, to profit from that time of coming together because when you're doing it and you're not under the conditions that we're under now, uh, I think that we perhaps may take it for granted. But the time that we can gather for prayer, the Lord does work and minister in a very powerful, Powerful and unique way uh, in our lives. So let's look here. We we look there in uh, those verses there in Acts nineteen twenty one and twenty two. Paul 
made a decision to go to Rome. And then in, in Acts 19, verses 23 through 27, Demetrius tries to defend idolatry. And now we come to verses 35 through the rest of the chapter, and we find out that there is a mayor or a governor or a city leader who comes in and begins to put to rest what is taking place. So that word that you see there in verse 35, the town clerk begins to speak uh, to these people. And you can interchange that word town clerk to either be uh, as governor of that city or as mayor of that city. But he was a city official who came along and began to reason uh, with those people there. And uh, he, he started speaking reasonably to those, uh, in, into those. And I, I just again want to uh, draw your attention, and, and this is not in the notes. Let's chase a little bit of a rabbit trail here for just a moment. But I'd like for you to turn to Romans uh, chapter 13 for just a moment. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13, and beginning in verse 1, it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be or ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers or presidents or prime ministers, or you fill in the blank, are not a terror to, to, to good works, but to evil. What wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the, son, of the same. And then notice what Paul says. He says, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. Who is? Well, verse 1 says that the higher powers... Uh, verse 3 says that, that if we resist the power, we resist the ordinances of God. And then verse 3, are, he says that these rulers are not a terror to good works. Then he goes on, he says, But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Now let's put on our thinking cap for a moment. Now who was Paul having reference to? Paul was having reference to those Caesars that had terribly persecuted the church, that had caused the church to flee, and Paul was saying that these higher powers are ministers, and we ought to obey what they have to say. Now, I realize that there's some pushback, uh, that there are some people that are saying, oh, we ought not to uh, do what they have to say, and yet today is brought to my attention that in Leviticus 13 and 14 that there was a, uh, a national quarantine, if you want to call it uh, that, that was called for by Moses, and what it was to do was to uh, was to prevent the children of Egypt or the children of Israel from contacting or contracting leprosy, and uh, it's important for us right now. 
uh, that we adhere and listen to what our government leaders are saying to us because this is not a matter of persecution. They're not trying to destroy the gospel. Uh, they're trying for the sake of our nation uh, to bring us to a place and it is important now that we hear some voices of reason. It's not time for a false sense of bravado it's not time for a sense of people to try to stir up a revolution because here is what I understand. I understand this, that the Spirit of God, John 3, uh, Jesus said this, that the Spirit goes where it desires that the wind of the Spirit can blow and move into places. And even though there may be that thought that, that this is an evil thing that has taken place in our world, keep in mind, Genesis 50 and 20, that what some meant for evil, God is going to mean for good. And it is important that we understand that God is sovereign and God is in control of every situation that we face in our life, including this pandemic that we are facing as a nation. And the Lord is going to take care of every need that we have. And then the second thing that I want to throw in is my entire life, and I still sometimes think that I'm a young man, but I'm not a young man, but my whole life, I have heard preachers talk about the fact about how that we need to be converted because what is the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is that we make it to heaven. And if there is some pandemic that comes and destroys the church, where is that going to put us? Well, Paul said it like this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And our fear of death is because we have so locked into a material blessing and a material society that we think that the only things that really matter are the things that you can get your hands on in the kingdom of God. Paul says not meat and drink uh, Romans uh, chapter 14 in fact uh, if you look uh, at that it talks about the fact that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink you just turn over a, a page or so and look uh, there, the fact in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It is important for us, church, to be able to grasp and to understand those principles that the kingdom of God is not limited to the here and the now. And when you were born again of water and of spirit, the Bible tells us that we became citizens to another kingdom. And so this man steps forward and uh, he begins to speak rationally and reasonably uh, to this mob that was alive there. First Timothy chapter 2 verses 3 through 6, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And, and here's what Paul had done. Paul had walked in there and he his message and the message of his disciples had brought that in that they had begun to say, here, we want you to understand that God is not a, a God that we worship is not made with our hands. 
And they didn't, they didn't like that very much. And yet Paul come along and, and said, uh, here's what I want you to do. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9, I want you to turn to God away from your idols and serve the one and true living God. And, and that was basically the message. And yet, here is what took place. When the town clerk began uh, to come in, he began to speak to that part. And he said, look, he said, if you don't believe what Paul is saying, then just let him go. It doesn't matter. We, we understand our thoughts and our ideas about where uh, that Diana came from and where that the temple uh, of Diana is too. But what we have to do is to not get so worked up. And again, it's like Paul said, again to the book of in in the book of Romans that he talked about he said is the truth of god going to be changed in uh to a lie because of unbelief he said god forbid and yet our world sometimes looks at it and whenever people hear that speech about idolatry then there is a pushback and that's where Paul found himself at that moment. And so the Bible tells us that that, that mob began to respond. And so we see in verse 28, when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and began to turn that city into a, a, a riot. They, they were in an absolute rage. And, and Luke writes it. He says, these men were full of wrath. Uh, they even captured two of Paul's brothers, Gaius, uh, not physical brothers, but uh, brothers in the church. And the Bible tells us that they, they caught Gaius and Aristarchus and they brought them into that theater and intended to do them harm. Again, I have to ask myself this question. If I find myself in a similar situation facing uh, people that are full of wrath and, and, and what is going to be my reaction at that part? We have to serve the Lord as Proverbs says, Proverbs 3, we have to put our trust and our confidence in the Lord. And, and again, I, I want to just tell you, if the Lord can take care of your eternal salvation, then the, the matters that we have in this life, they are no match for the Lord either. That the Lord can take care of those needs as well. And uh, so it was that very shortly after they, that they met uh, in that city theater somewhere seating capacity. Imagine this, about 25,000 people. Uh, it would rival one of our smaller sporting uh, events or stadiums in our day. It was a place that was set aside for political, uh, for civic, and even some athletic events that had taken place. And they filled up this place uh, and began to make a, a just a roar that came out in opposition uh, to the message uh, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even to this day, you, you realize that there is no message that even in our time that still creates such a pushback and such a, um, a part where that uh, people that they say, well, you know, we, 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 don't, we don't believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. There, there's no other religious figure uh, that creates such a, a polarity uh, in our day. And, and yet that should make us have confidence and understand that the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection secured uh, the ability for us to have uh, eternal life. Uh, 
And so it was that, that even uh, Paul, during this particular time, if you would look with me, I would like for you to notice. But turn over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 and look with me uh, to verse 32. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 32. Uh, the Bible says it like this. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll read verse 31. It says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he says that famous statement, I die daily. And then notice what he says in verse 32. He said, if after the manner of men I have fought with the beast at Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Notice what Paul's saying there. He's saying that there was a conflict that took place in Ephesus. There was something there uh, that because of the nature of, of Paul's message that he fought uh, with the beast at Ephesus. And I, I would just say uh, here to you as well that, uh, that there is again, and, and he asked that question. He said, what does it advantage me if the dead rise not? Right there is where you see Paul is putting great confidence in his resurrection. And that resurrection was secured by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's the bigger setting for 1 Corinthians 15? Uh, the fact is this. Y'all have to forgive me, but I've got four people sitting in front of me, five people sitting in front of me, and two guys up in the sound booth, and I'm getting a little wound up in an empty building here tonight. So I hope you're feeling what I'm feeling at home. Uh, but you start looking at what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15, that where is our hope? Our hope is in the resurrection that death is not the final enemy and that, that however we go, that death will not defeat a spirit-filled believer. And so he comes along. He said, look, he said, I fought with the beast at Ephesus and they didn't win. And he's saying now that there is that part where I'm going to put uh, my confidence in the resurrection. Skip down to verse 55. The Bible says there, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he finishes that chapter with this. He said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hear me tonight, church. Five of you, six of you, and everybody that's out there has listened to me, your labor, what you do here in this life is, is this, is that, is that the Lord is keeping record of that. And we have to invest ourselves in the kingdom of God knowing uh, that the Lord is going uh, to work through that. Now, uh, another part, let's turn back again uh, and look back into Acts chapter 19. Here, here's what uh, Luke says. Luke says, and, and the words of uh, the, the town clerk, or the words of Demetrius, rather, was that he, he said, he said this, this man, Paul, he said, not only is he affected here in Ephesus, but this man has reached out beyond and has touched the entire continent of Asia. That's a pretty powerful impact. Now, how did he do that? 
I think some of the key is found that whenever we realize that Paul was a teacher of the word of God. We find him in the school of Tyrannus. We find him regularly teaching and preaching. There was no way that Paul himself could have covered that territory. So what did he do? He worked with converts that were willing to disciple themselves and give themselves to that matter of spreading out the gospel. The church in the 21st century has to do that very same thing. Whether we are witnessing the people we work with, go to school with, just people we run into, there is a need for us to be able to evangelize and spread the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, we have a responsibility uh, to our national uh, uh, community, our, nas- our nation to reach them, but then also to go globally, and we have opportunities to be able to do that through the work of global missions. And so I ask you again the question, if persecution were to come to our church and the threat of physical violence came, what would be your mindset? And if they were to take away our Bibles, how much of the scriptures have you memorized that you would be able to get by and to understand? You see why that I make such a em- emphasis on the Word of God? Because the Word of God is never going to pass away from this life. It's crucial for us to be able to get the word of God into our hearts and into our spirits. And so then we see the reaction of the mob. They uh, begin to yell and to cry at the top of their lungs about how great that, that, that Diana was. And, and the message of the Lord had created problems for Demetrius and for his followers. And so it was that Paul began to promote a God that's not created with human hands or human imagination. In fact, he preached a God that was a creator of all things and was in sovereign control of this world. And I, I again, I want to emphasize the sovereignty of God right now in our world. God is sovereignly in control of every detail of this world that's taking place right now. But because of our limited intellect and our limited understanding, we're asking ourselves, how can God be at work? But we have no way of knowing what God is doing in this world. And so it's best that we leave those matters to God. Now, the Bible speaks to the matter of idolatry and about how that there is just one God. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4. Here's what Paul says. He says, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. And you can put your trust and confidence in him. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But in the course of every bit of that matter, here is what we, uh, we grasp and we understand. That the Lord was still able to come about and to work in the lives and the hearts of those people that were there. 
And so whenever you start looking in Acts 19, it becomes clear that the work, what the work of the Spirit can do uh, in our lives and, and how it can work in the surrounding region. And so I just want to encourage uh, myself, encourage you, that right now in these challenging and difficult times that we're facing, that we have to realize that God is still at work and God is still in sovereign control and there is nothing that catches the Lord off guard. And so I would like to uh, conclude here tonight. And, uh, and again, I, I realize that, uh, that we're, we're obviously uh, in a very unique situation. And I'm just going to ask you to work with us. We're going to do our best to kind of get uh, the hang of it, to, to work in an empty church building. But I just believe this, that when we do come together again, church as a, as a body, that we are going to have an incredible time of worship in the Lord. I'd like to pray for you before we go here tonight. Our gracious God, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your spirit. Lord, I'm thankful for blessings, God, that, that even the last few days, Lord, have, have drawn us perhaps in closer together as families and what we may have been, Lord, in the past. And I pray, God, that you use every opportunity to strengthen our faith. At the same time, I ask you to help us to have the boldness that we need and have the trust that we need and have confidence and know, Lord, that your spirit is with us and that you, God, are in sovereign control of every situation in our lives. I ask you, Lord, tonight that you provide again supernatural wisdom, Lord, to President Trump, to Vice President Pence, and Lord, to those that are working closely with him. I pray, God, for even other global leaders. We know, Lord, that these are the last days. And yet through all of that, there's going to be a remnant of an apostolic church of spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-filled, born, newborn believers that you're going to work in their hearts and in their lives. I pray, Lord, that you help us in every situation. Lord, keep your hand on the families in our church. Supply, Lord, every need that we have and help us to put our confidence and trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.